Welcome to Breakfast in the Liminal Zone with host Victoria Hernandez and Diego Herrera, where sometimes we'll also have a special guest come and join us for our discussions. Please join us as we introduce you to the worlds of the supernatural, occult, places, or people in history, or whatever our interest is for that week. Please come and sit back and have breakfast with us in the liminal zone. Hi! Hello, everybody! Welcome back for another episode of Breakfast in the Liminal Zone. Speaking of breakfast, um, Victoria brought me a tamale, and um, you're going to hear me eat. <laughs> oh, yeah, be careful. You get all the foil and everything. Yeah, okay. It's my first time making Mexican tamales. I'm used to making Andorano ones, so uh, these are... Uh, jalapeno and cheese ones. I hope you yeah. enjoy. What's mm-hmm. the difference? Is and like, don't you use like banana leaves for like the yes. ones? Yes, we okay. use banana leaves, and we use so many more ingredients too. Like, we put potatoes, rice, raisins, your choice of protein, peas, chickpeas, and stuff like all over inside. Uh, that just sounds like an empanada. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. But those will be coming soon. But I, the, I make mine vegetarian, so my family members are like all right you make yours and we'll make ours the regular ones but enjoy hell yeah um but we okay we're gonna be recording a couple episodes today Uh, oh no the the behind the scenes stuff where (laughs) they'll know our recording schedule we didn't we didn't record anything last week because it was it was uh the holidays it was thanksgiving yeah i was cooking a lot i had a i had a friendsgiving that only like two other people showed up but we were all making like way too much fucking food hey the best part about thanksgiving is the leftovers that you can eat for like a week i was eating potatoes for a week i felt like a medieval peasant yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i hear you on that because i had a bunch of corn and all this like like stuffing and everything and i was like i just ate it every day for lunch at work (laughs) it was good though yeah oh my goodness but uh we're we're going with victoria's topic uh first or i don't know which order these are going to come out (laughs) so i say that in this episode that you're going to hear right now, we're going to be talking about the movie Mother. Mother. The one that came out in 2017 from Darren Aronofsky. And yes, if y'all have heard of this movie, great. Because this is this seems like to be everyone's hate it or love it film. You know, like mm-hmm. it's there's so many mixed opinions about this. I have very strong opinions about this movie, for better or worse. And there's just so much to talk about i saw it i saw it 10 minutes ago (laughs) yes and he's ready to expel all of the crazy shenanigans that comes out from this movie Mm -hmm. i remember i remember hearing back in 2017 a lot of people like um like youtubers like yms didn't like this movie Mm -hmm, mm me me i i I liked it i (laughs) I did too, actually. Except for that one very specific scene. <laughs> and just so you guys know, there are spoiler alerts. So if you want to watch the movie first and then come back to this or hear this movie review first and then watch the movie. Because one thing that I did notice upon looking at the reviews and everything is that apparently this movie did not do so good when it came to marketing. Mm-hmm. So when this movie was released, nobody really knew what this was about. And... 
it was just another Darinovsky film. And he is really great and to be known for his like thriller, suspenseful, psychological thrillers. I saw, I saw the other know? movies he did. He did uh he did Black Swan. Yes, that's one of my oh favorite my movies. Is he is he is he okay? Is he- <laughs> <laughs> He's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like those who under like knows where he made um The Fountain, Noah, Requiem for a Dream, Pie, and like they're all these crazy movies. And so like Mother is definitely one of them. But yeah, it wasn't marketed well enough, you know? Like, people did not understand what this movie was going to be about when it came out. So when people came out of the movie theater, they were very confused. A lot of people gave um, Jennifer Lawrence, like, a really bad review. Like, this is probably one of her worst performances, if anything. Wasn't that bad, but I feel like... I don't know because this is um this is 2017 this is like when like yeah. marvel movies and shit like that were in full force that's um, true and i don't i don't think i i think if you were to get like um like art house films out today like obviously weird shit comes out and like mm-hmm. a24 is killing it right um, but, exactly but like god when did a24 start getting popular um that's a good question because i think it was around this time i think they were like getting their their work started you know because Mm -hmm. now like the whole psychological thrillers and stuff have became such a thing now where it's a new form of horror you know Mm -hmm. and i'm so here for it because i'm i love horror films it's part of it's my favorite genre but i'm very tired of the like the typical slasher films and stuff you know and like gore and everything which i love but i want to see something new <laughs> i want something that's gonna fuck with my mind you know what yeah. i mean no this this movie reminded me a lot of um oh god um what am i i guess just like holy mountain because just mm. so much shit going on yes, yeah it's a lot of uncontrolled chaos going on around this, this movie too. made me fucking anxious yes. i don't like it <laughs> when i first saw this movie i did not know what it was about i just saw it on one of the streaming services and i said oh i'll check this out <laughs> and little did i know i was like whoa what the heck am i watching <laughs> and yeah it wasn't until maybe towards the ending of the movie i started realizing oh i think i understand what this is about you know there's many themes hitting this movie and i think like the three main ones that come on top of my head is it's very obvious it has a biblical story told you know it's a biblical Mm -hmm. allegory for sure and then two i feel like it's to where to raise awareness for you know climate change it's totally about environmentalism and such and the third one i think it also um talks about like artist and muse relationship where it's the tortured artist you know the Mm -hmm. soul the anguished soul of the tortured artist (laughs) and such and so like there's many things that i feel fall under this movie yeah no the, um uh what happened in the movie this happened to my friend one time oh God. yeah no they um yeah they got their baby starting the baby and shit. <laughs> was your baby was your friend's name called rosemary yeah they, rosemary's you know? baby you... <laughs> <laughs> yeah no there's yeah. Honest, like honestly there's a lot of similarities between this movie and rosemary's baby mm-hmm. i can get into that later and stuff but that's I'm getting way ahead of myself yeah. by now, but Spe- speaking of lot. babies, these tamales are really good. Yeah, no tamale babies. <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm glad you're enjoying them. <laughs> yeah. So, like, this movie has interesting characters in it. You know, mm-hmm. Jennifer Lawrence, Javier Bardem, Kristen Wiig makes an appearance in there too mm-hmm. for a brief moment. She's that um um. Oh God, I saw it because they never actually say the names of anybody yes. in the movie. It's like it's like 
I guess all the stuff that was in the script, like when you look them up, all the characters are right mm-hmm. there. So it's like, like him is, I guess, God basically. Or, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. for her, sorry, I'm swallowing. That was the um, that was the um, uh, she was the comedian, right? Mm-hmm. She's the one who's in the Ghostbusters remake. Yes, I don't know what exactly. else she's from. Yeah, mm-hmm. she um, Jesus Christ, she reminds me a lot about like I guess just like Hollywood types, and mm-hmm. I guess that kind of like fits into the the whole like you know muse and. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was like the okay. So really quick, like the create like the characters' names. Like there's Jennifer Lawrence's. Hers is just mother, apparently. Mm-hmm. And then um, Javier's character is the poet or the creator. We call mm-hmm. him God. It's obvious that he represents God. Um, we have man and woman come in, and then Kristen Wiig's character. I, she's like his publicist or something mm-hmm. like that. Online, it said like Harold, with, which is interesting yeah. because, like, um, biblically speaking, wasn't Harold like the one person who was um, the person who was actually actively putting the God's um, word out into the to the public and stuff? If I remember correctly, that's what she's kind of doing with that job. You know, she's a publicist. Mm-hmm. She's getting his work, his book, out there to the public and. But also when, but also when she comes in, like that's when like shit really gets crazy in the movie. So I'm thinking she's she's also like she's like herald of the apocalypse as well. Yeah. So (laughs) So there's a lot of like you know nuances that you can pick up on in this, you know. And it's true, like what Diego said. Like no one is really flat out given their names during the movie Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so you kind of have to like pick it up. One thing you do hear quite often is when the people or you know the fans when they see the. The man, you know, um, Javier, they call him the creator or the poet mm-hmm. and such. And I found that kind of interesting, actually. And so, um, yeah, you know, um, this movie can be seen as an allegory, which is most commonly said. I think even um, Darinovsky said in an interview before, too, that this is a straight up allegory, you know, which means like you... Um, a story or a poem or something that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden deeper message, you know, mm-hmm. and typically it's either a moral story or a political one. So it's like referencing something else to, you know, bring forth a parable. I feel like this is also I feel this movie is closely linked as a parable, which is usually a short story that illustrates like the moral attitude of a religious principle. So most specifically parable is, is usually linked with religious work. So like the parables of Jesus, mm-hmm. like jewelry, like Jesus told stories, they were known as parables. So I feel like this movie would be more of like a parable of like, everything is mirrored religiously from like the real world, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a lot that goes on <laughs> in this. Yeah, I know a, lo- a lot of, especially the first half of the movie is just pretty much like, um, just adaptations of just like Genesis and a lot of those early yeah, books. And they right? even, had, even had their own version of the flood. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad you picked up on that. Exactly. Yeah. So really briefly, I think we should probably state like what happens in the movie. Then we can kind of dive deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So you should, alerts, you should everyone. really watch the movie first. You should. <laughs> and tell us like what you guys think of it and then come and cue like cue mm-hmm. into this talk. So basically what happens in the movie is that the very first scene is that there's fire and there's a woman being burnt alive, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And as she, you know, that goes on until you see Jennifer Lawrence 
waking up in bed, basically. Perfectly fine. She's not burning or anything. And so you see her say, baby. And next thing <laughs> you know, that's when you see, you know, she's alone in this home. And then you see the creator, Javier's character, come in, right? And so you see that they live alone in this giant house, which this movie takes place only in this house. They don't go mm-hmm. outside. Well, she doesn't go outside. The movie focuses on mother and her point. I mean, like in her situation within the house, you know. And this is a massive house. It's I text I texted you earlier, and mm-hmm. I was like, "This is a gorgeous house." For that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so I should have made clear that, like in the beginning, when you see the woman on fire, you see this crystal come out of her too. You know. Yeah. And so, like, there's something very strong about this crazy crystal and stuff and so as the crystal is put in place that's when the house gets rebuilt and that's when you see jennifer lawrence wake up in bed basically and so most of the movie she's trying to rebuild this house for him like she says that this is his childhood home and so she's trying to make this a paradise she says that this is their own paradise right Mm -hmm. within that home she's painting the walls green she's putting brackets on the on the shelves and stuff exactly there's a weird like thing in the wall (laughs) (laughs) yes the the heart right or something and she is so closely linked to this house because there are moments where she is she puts her hands on the walls and she can visualize the heartbeat of the house linking them to closer than ever so it's Mm. like she it's like the house itself is an organism and she's also a part of that house, right? Maybe she is the house. Huh? Maybe. Ooh. <laughs> and so, yeah. Um, so that makes you to see that, like, she never really leaves the house. She's really closely linked to it. So these were the only two characters that you see in the beginning of the movie. And then you get the first intruders that comes in. It first starts with the man, right? This man's coughing and stuff. And he meets... The creator or the poet and stuff and so this man comes inside the house and the poet just welcomes him in you know he just welcomes him inside his house and everything and he seemed like he was already sick he was coughing a lot and stuff and there's this one part where after drinking that man goes to the restroom and he's like hawking up a lung and stuff. And, you know, the poet is right there next to him. Yeah, a real and, lung and a rib. Yeah, yes, so exactly. There is that little moment where you see that his, um, that you see that there's like a mark on his back, right? Or something. Yeah, it, it, there's this big gaping hole to his right. And, right. Um, oh, you don't. When I was watching it, I didn't, I didn't I didn't notice it at first. I just saw, like, what the fuck is that? But, you know, since I was watching it on my laptop, I can mm-hmm. actually go back and it's nasty. <laughs> yeah. And they, it's linkly, I mean, well, you're able to recognize that as, like, okay, if this is man, there's a gaping hole in his back. It seems like there's something removed. Maybe his rib, right? So <laughs> those who are, you know, familiar with the Genesis story. And so... Um, there's something missing from his back. The next day that follows, woman enters the house, right? Mm-hmm. And so she comes in and she is all, it's Michelle Pfeiffer, I should say. Ed Harris is the man and the woman is Michelle Pfeiffer. So they get along really well. They are a married couple, apparently. So out of 
man's rib. I didn't know you were married. (laughs) Comes Eve. And so, like, they're a very interesting duo. They're literally, like, the worst company you could ever ask for. They're terrible. She is so fucking mean to Jennifer Lawrence. And I don't know if I got mad because she was mean or just mean specifically to Jennifer Lawrence. (laughs) Yeah. Like, they seemed really sketchy. And they were just completely rude, you know? Mm -hmm. And then things start making a turn when they were specifically told, man and woman, that they're not allowed to go into the poet's study, right? Like his main office, his private office, basically. Mm-hmm. He, you know, they, they cannot go in there. But later on, you see that, well, they do. They get their grubby <laughs> little hands and you see them playing with the crystal that was found, that we saw in the beginning of the movie. And then next thing you know, once they're caught, they break it. And the poet freaks out. And he tells them to get out. They are what? Banned. <laughs> they are banned from this Eden, you know, that this was, that was made. And so, yeah, after they leave, what I found kind of interesting is that, like, after their banishment, after they got, you know, in trouble, Jennifer Lawrence quickly finds them, like, making out and having sex, right? And stuff. And I was like, wait a second. It's like the original sin like that's like the first sin right not only is a temptation where you saw from woman where she's like she's like this temptress that comes into the house right and they you know they break the crystal and now they're having sex and one little tidbit i wonder if this is a little wink to it but you see um woman's bra and it has leaves on it and it kind of reminds me Mm -hmm. of the fig the fig leaves that you know the typical paintings that you see them out of a meat and stuff you know they always have the leaves so i wonder if that's a little wink to that or something (laughs) so yeah so that happens and so shortly after um man tells the creator like hey i hope like i'm not just anybody i just want you to know i'm a big fan of yours okay so he says to him you know yeah i'm a huge fan of your work and of course the creator gets a huge ego boost from this and he's like oh are you now and so they become friends all over again basically it's a lot like old testament god who's very very much loves the attention is very petty yeah exactly he's like don't love anyone else other than me basically right Mm -hmm. and so like he feeds off of it and then next thing you know the rest of the family comes in right you have the two brothers that storm into the house i guess that they were upset about like the will like their father's will or something like I that forget, i forget why they why they i guess i guess why cain and abel actually fight in the bible but <laughs> yeah yeah and so um what was it basically like they do represent cain and abel they're both arguing and they're both they're both arguing because of their dad's will and his dad obviously is not in good they're both sorry their dad is not in good condition anyways so like seeing that he's dying they're upset about it and so during the argument one brother kills the other one right and thus being said cain and abel Mm -hmm. you know the first murder that was the very first act of violence i i could be wrong but the murder weapon was the because when they uh when the poet uh locked them uh out of his uh study it was the doorknob right Mm -hmm. and um one of the older brother used the doorknob against the the younger brother so i'm like huh "Huh, i wonder if that relates to anything or probably i i didn't pick up on that part honestly because he did like jab him Mm -hmm. basically yeah and so 
Yeah, so one of them dies. So the poet and the parents, you know, man and woman, have to carry out the dead son, basically. And so the surviving brother just, like, runs away, you know, leaving mother alone in the house. Really interesting thing I want to point out. Yes. Um, uh, like, the poet, was um, when he was, like, wailing on the uh, older brother, he got a he got a little mark on his... Uh, on his forehead almost like it's the the mark of cain ha ha really? ha, 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 ha yeah see these are little things that i miss i'm glad you picked up on i didn't pick up on that yeah, yeah. so um good call yeah so and we're back <laughs> yeah so going continuing with the segment so after the brothers have left the building you know the dying brother and everyone leaves jennifer lawrence being stuck at home the poet and the parents return afterwards later that night right mm. and they prepare their house for a wake for the you know for the mourning parents because their son just died so they're like it's okay we'll just have the wake and you know the funeral here at home and stuff mm -hmm. and so as they get that going more and more people start to come to grieve over the body but it becomes this huge chaotic party right and this is when the anxiety starts kicking in a bit because you start seeing people are being so rude yeah. people are like trying to make out in one of their rooms jennifer lawrence is trying to keep things in control she's trying to you know tell people like don't do this don't do that but no one's listening to her it's it's so upsetting because this is one part where um somebody comes up to jennifer lawrence is like hey can i use your phone she's like sure and he like goes the opposite direction <laughs> oh my god I, it, it's so it, like what's what is your motive god damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah and another thing that really gets me mad is that like there's a part during that chaos where she specifically told people to not sit on the sink because it's not safe yet like they're remodeling yeah there's like no brackets on the exactly. bottom yeah and so over time like a couple of times you see people just casually sitting on top of the sink and you see her stop it get off of that mm -hmm. and then she goes away and she comes back and there's people doing it they're right? literally kids because it's the same two people the i whole know time. exactly it's that same couple right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and so at one point they finally, as they were bouncing on the sink, it collapses. Thus, like, you know, leaving broken pipes and waters bursting everywhere. And as Diego mentioned before, <laughs> like, this is symbolic of the giant flood, you know, of Noah's Ark and those. Because after that scene, everyone leaves, you know, everyone leaves the house. All the people leave except the poet and mother, right? Mm -hmm. And so... um yeah after they leave jennifer lawrence was telling you know the creator like hey you know like why are you inviting all these people without me you know like i think there's like well after, i'll say more after giving this the synopsis of the movie but basically like she was saying that you know we never have sex you care about people more than you care about me and then shortly after they're having sex right mm -hmm. and then after that they like after that night the next morning, she 
becomes pregnant. She just knows that she's pregnant, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't take the pregnancy test or anything. She just knows that she has that mommy glow going on about <laughs> her, that she's now having a baby. When the poet jumped up at that part, I was like, oh, morning sickness. But I was like, wait, he's not the one supposed to get sick. <laughs> yeah, no. And it's funny, and like, it's very interesting because, like, symbolically, that moment of her just knowing that she's pregnant reminds me of the Annunciation where Mary was told by the Archangel Gabriel that you are ma- that you have a child with God's son. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what the heck? But it's a complete, clear message that is given to her. And that's how, like, you know, the mother reacted. You know, that's how she responded to her pregnancy. She was like, oh, I just knew, you know? <laughs> yeah. So those are little ties that I'm, like, picking up on and stuff. And so, yeah, once she told him that she's pregnant, the creator suddenly has a burst of creativity again. Like, he has his Mm -hmm. motive to write his book again. Because during this whole movie, well, up to that part, he was having severe writer's block, right? Like, he was upset because he is failing as a poet or as a creator, as a writer, because he hasn't written anything for a long time. And now once his muse was, you know, bearing his child, he is finally giving them the, you know, the the drive to continue on with his work. He, re- so, he reminds me a lot of like actual people I met, you know, people who don't write but still claim to be writers. Oh my God, right? <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so he finally got his motivation to write and he like finished his second book basically which I think his, now... His one-page book. <laughs> I know, his one-page book. And he's like, this is it, boys. It was a really good page. I know, it must have been. And thus, I believe, begins the New Testament, you know? The <laughs> new word. Because, like, before then, his previous book that he's known to be as, you know, because he's, he's known as the creator, the poet, it must have been, you know, the Old Testament or the Torah, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's the basic um, storyline of... The creation basically now that he's having a child and he writes his one page book he is now this is like the new testament this is like the second half of the story that mm-hmm. goes on and god does it get ugly oh my god hot take i actually think it's still an old testament right now because you know he's he he wrote the word and he put the word out there so i think this is like the age of prophets before mm-hmm. before you know I see. the actual new testament but well the new testament does come out technically when jesus is born yeah so you're right yeah so this is still in that there's weird there's, there's other prophets too yeah you know? exactly yeah. so once he got his motivation he shows you know, they're her the finished product. And she sees a vision of the world being rejuvenated. And she thinks it's beautiful. Like, she completely supports him mm-hmm. in this, right? As she, should, as she would want to be. But shortly after, once he starts, like, showing off his work, like, people start coming into their home again and she's trying to prepare this nice meal for him she's trying to be a good wife and next thing you know there's just she's getting overwhelmed again because this flood of people just start coming in again and again and again and so what's crazy is that like this is that moment where the anxiety gets really induced because it just never ends right it's like all the world problems happen in this 
chaos that's coming around because mm-hmm. she's trying to, to like it's even worse than the chaos of people that were there during the wake and so she comes across people who are that she comes across different issues that we deal with in the world today right like it's all taking place in one house but you see poverty you see war you see like um yeah well sorry get chaos pc people stealing things you see like this little cult going on over there too there's a line for the restroom terrible yes oh my god that's like the realest (laughs) thing that i probably can relate to in that whole movie and so she's pregnant like you see like she has a baby and everything and she's about to give birth right Mm -hmm. like she knows like kid is gonna come soon and of course the poet is just raveling with all of his followers and everything and like he's not paying attention to her in any way it's only when he realizes that she is going to pop that he takes her upstairs to his private study right and so from there she's giving birth to their to their son Mm -hmm. and so after that after she gives birth which is crazy as hell he finally feels like he's giving her the attention that she wants right and so basically um he gets he becomes so in love with his child he then takes it out to the public right mm. and that's what gets me so upset but hey oh, he God. before that it's so fucking scary because he he is just staring he is staring Ooh. oh never mind he's just staring at his uh at his wife at jennifer lawrence the whole time like you know with the smile but his stare reminds me a lot of like a fucking predator s- the stare you know yes. just like he wants he wants that young and he wants <laughs> yes it's so crazy like to see like how he has this like one track mind for only the things that he wants you know mm-hmm. like he completely abandons her and all the progress and like he totally ignores all of the things that she's trying to do for him all he sees is the fans all he sees is you know his child and his work and that's it like what he can use the baby for yes yeah and so like i feel like there's also another allegory that can be said right here is that how in the stories of the bible like god abandons the earth for long periods of time right because god is separate from his creation right Mm -hmm. he's upstairs you know doing what he does best i guess and he abandons the earth and he before his messiah was born before the child was born so god only comes back to intervene when you know his child is born bringing him back right Mm -hmm. and so being said but mankind screws everything up because once the baby is given to the public in the movie oh my god it's like a very hard (laughs) scene to watch for a lot of people right here that once the baby goes crowd surfing across you know the crowd of people people go crazy over him because they get so excited people even brought gifts for the baby like the magi did for Mm -hmm. jesus christ you know but people start tearing the baby apart and they start eating the baby. It's fucking horrific. They got the fucking baby. They like took away the the the, the shroud that it had. Yeah, starts pissing, and then they just fucking all, all you all you see in the film. Like I didn't see it that well, nor do I door do I want to. But all you hear is like, and it's the fucking. I know. 
know it's so hard and to see that people ate the baby and that's an obvious you know mm-hmm. sign of you know the holy communion of eating the body of christ you mm-hmm. know and seeing it right there and that's how you know jennifer lawrence had it mother hates it right there and so he she finally stands her ground and starts you know shouting and everything she starts wailing yeah (laughs) and what's kind of interesting like around that part you start hearing like hurricane noises in the background and i kind of see it as like oh fuck you're finally getting mother nature angry right Mm -hmm. and like this is where the hurricanes come from this is where like all this horrendic horrendous um nature um i'm drawing a blank right now i'm sorry this is where you see all of the these horrible things happening to the earth that's caused by the earth, like hurricanes and volcanoes exploding and everything. Like this is her point of like where she's had it, mm-hmm. you know? And then as she is going apeshit, she goes downstairs to the basement and she completely destroys, what was it like the oil thing? Yeah. Some, something in the oil that's like deep under the house. Yeah. So. It's like an oil drum or something. Thus setting the place on fire, you know, which kills everybody in As the she house. Should. As I know, she exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so I think there's a reference to right there too. I think again Daranofsky mentions is that like her using oil to completely destroy the house is in relations to fossil fuel. How mm-hmm. we're killing the earth with fossil fuels, basically, you know, and like we're only sucking the earth dry and we're killing her off and horrible things are happening to humankind because we keep doing this. And so the only people that survive that after that whole blow up scene is the creator and mother, but you see mother (laughs) charred, you know, like she is completely burned. Like she's almost unrecognizable. And he is of course in pristine condition carrying her (laughs) around. And as he carries her body, there's a very, well, he's carrying her body. Her, She's dying in his arms and he's holding her. And this reminds me so much of the famous sculpture from Michelangelo, the Payeta, where Mary's holding the body of Christ. And to me, that's super symbolic because it's not the creator who's in the arms of her, like in the mm-hmm. Payeta. It's actually her in his arms. So if anything, it's like, she gave the baby and she blew up the house. She sacrificed herself and her home and her baby mm-hmm. for the creator. And yet he's the one holding her. It's only so now in the end that she can rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she's the Christ-like figure in this, you know, and he was, she was telling him at that last moment, like, you know, I have nothing else to give you. And he's like, oh, that's sweet. But there's one more thing that you want that I do want from you. <laughs> and then he says, I need your heart. And she's like, okay. <laughs> and so he goes deep inside her chest cavity and pulls out her poor beating heart. And it's dying. It's completely dead at that point once it reaches his hands. And he like crushes it to see a crystal. That crystal from the very beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And as the psychopath as he is, he like laughs as he puts the crystal up on top of his little holder. And you see the house being renewed all over again. And it's like a deja vu from the very beginning of the movie, right? Because 
you see mother's body completely you know engulfed in flames she's dying the crystal comes out of her once he's put it's put on its little pedestal the whole house is rebuilt and there's a brand new woman on the bed yeah not jennifer lawrence that's not jennifer lawrence yeah. and so it's like the whole cycle is just continuing itself over mm-hmm. and over again the way i kind of see that part is kind of like um i guess like when uh, people talk about like climate change nowadays mm-hmm. it's a it's a lot like Oh, we were getting way too many fucking chances. <laughs> yes. And pretty soon, eventually, it's going to feel like we're going to have no more chances trying to fix time- climate change. <laughs> exactly. Like, I hear arguments saying, like, you know, well, there's a lot of things that people are doing now that are destroying the earth, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're completely, like, we're deforesting the, the forests. We ha- we're sucking the earth dry of, you know, oil, of oil, basically. We're putting things into the atmosphere. We're killing our earth. But yet I hear arguments being said that like, you know, well, the earth knows how to repair herself. So once humans die off, the Mm. earth will know how to get back on, you know, again, just as God intended it. It's a cycle. But it's awful because like instead of us being a part of the issue and letting it continue, I think Darinovsky is trying to say like we can still stop these issues now while Mm. we can. And why let the earth continue this pain and agony just because God created it. He's so separate from his creations that like he's able to sac- let this, let his creations go in agony and die just so he can have his moment of fame. Look, if God, if God didn't want us to get the, the, the oil on Mars, do you think he would have done something to stop us from doing that? Like, <laughs> right. Look, okay. Look, good we, point. Look, like, Okay, like, who gives a shit about here? But if we send, like, 50 people to Mars, I think... <laughs> <laughs> totally totally fixes our problems. It yeah. could, right? It totally. could. No, it fucking isn't. No, it fucking isn't. <laughs> I know. Let's just, like, destroy one thing and hop onto the next big thing, and we'll see in a few hundred years this messes up again or something. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's the movie, okay? And so there's a lot of symbolism, and there's a lot of things that can be said about it. And so, yeah, what was your take, your initial take after watching all this, Diego? Like, um, why the fuck would you make me watch that? Like, <laughs> it's fucked up, man. <laughs> it is. Yes. No, I liked it. I'd probably, I'd, I would have gone around to watching it anyway, but I'm, I'm really glad I got to see it. Um, but there is, um, that movie is fucking anxiety-inducing. The only other movie to make me that fucking anxious was Climax, and that, that's about, um. It's about a, a a dance troupe, and they figure out the sangria that they drink was spiked with LSD, and not fun. But I think a little bit more fun than this movie. Um. <laughs> yeah, this was a crazy turn of a movie. <laughs> yeah, no, I I I get before I used to get super nervous at parties. Like I love talking to people, but like sometimes there's just too much shit going on. I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. And my own parties or my own kickbacks i still retreat to my room for some time yeah but i'm like okay let me cool down a little bit no this movie reminded me exactly of of the, what happened to me at this one party where one half of the room everybody's like you know living it up they're having a fun time drinking and the other half they're like already way too drunk vomiting and oh, stuff it's disgusting it felt like hell oh god <laughs> i saw this movie and i got I got a little nostalgic oh my god <laughs> Oh, life imitates art. I was like, wow, that was such a traumatic time in my life. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. 
Um, there is one thing I, I did want to say about when, um, uh, what should I call it? Uh, I forget what part of the movie, but there's like, it, it's kind of like allegory of like, oh shit, there's a disaster that happened and uh, everybody's like beating. Oh yeah, when they eat the Christ child. And oh, they start, and they start beating her up. Yeah, they start beating I her up. That. that was hard to watch there, there reminds me a lot of, I guess, just modern day disasters where uh, people will be in, in a hurricane or earthquake and they'll say, oh God, why why did this happen? have to happen to me? I hate nature so much. Mm. But they'll still ask God, like, hey God, can you try to help me and stuff? You know what? And- right. <laughs> huh. Interesting. And like, it's like they take it out on earth or nature as a scapegoat for the for the issues mm-hmm. at hand. You know what I like, mean? Like terrible hurricanes will happen in Florida, and it's a shame what happens. But they still vote Republican, and it happens it happens every every <laughs> single time. I, Wake I, up, people! I know that's a terrible thing that, that to say, but damn, you know, remember what happened to Sodom? <laughs> oh my god! Like hot take, honestly. But yeah, you can really see the environmentalist, you know, awareness that is being explored in this movie. You know, like outside of Darnofsky's like film career, he's a huge environmentalist. He does things to help like bring awareness to climate change and things. And so mm-hmm. I think this movie was like a passion project where he was able to infuse his passion about, you know, the environment with his skills as a movie director you know so he was kind of bridging these two together and i found out that he's actually jewish and so like making a movie like this with like really hardcore biblical you know um outlines and everything like i thought that was actually kind of interesting on his part it's more fitting uh uh, you know to i I guess him because of his background showing the, the the baby being eaten like it looks like people who aren't Chris. Christians they see that and they hear like um like when you hear old Romans their opinion when they hear about you know Christians eating the body and blood of Christ they're like oh cannibals okay that's so true <laughs> like when Christianity was just literally a cult back in ancient Roman times the the Romans were actually freaked out about Christianity because mm-hmm. that exactly what you said when people are using the symbol of like their little wafers that this is the body of Christ and we eat them and they're drinking their blood. This really freaked out the Romans around the time. They're mm-hmm. like, yes, exactly, cannibalism. As well as they thought it was freaky that everyone called each other brother and sister. Oh, you know, my brother in Christ, you know, we're all from the same mm-hmm. God. And yet they're marrying each other and they're having offsprings and they're like oh look incest yeah <laughs> this is a weird cult everybody no, like i guess me personally That's what they're saying. yeah mm-hmm. me personally because of my background I'm like I can, I can see the crucifixion and all that and still take you know the positive aspects of it like oh he he did so much of a sacrifice but at the same time kind of fucked up you know kind of fucked up how we you know th- you know we all look at this the cross a literal symbol of torture and see it with like hey as isn't beautiful yeah isn't yeah. this great <laughs> Which I, I i can understand why other people see it as something incredibly messed up <laughs> it's true you know i can totally see that like it's a very in- i have a very interesting relationship with you know with christianity as well growing up roman catholic and mm-hmm. everything like it was growing now especially as someone who studies religion like it's I have a very interesting relationship with it. That is for sure. It's great for character building. I mean, just look at us. I know. We came out fine. <laughs> no, we didn't. 
doing great, Diego. Yeah, we're doing fine. <laughs> it's tears coming down from my eyes. We're doing good. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Another so. oh another interesting thing I noticed was after after Kane killing Abel, just everybody showing up without without rhyme or reason. Cause in in, in the Bible, right after uh, you know, Cain killed his little brother, they just kinda when they like move out from paradise, they're like, Oh, there's other people here already. <laughs> yeah, they just miraculously there, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's how it kind of felt like in the movie. Like people just started coming. Because she just wanted to make dinner for him and her, right? Like, mm-hmm. she wanted to make dinner for her and her husband. But then all of a sudden, there's, like, 15 people, 30 people, 50 people, 100 people. It's kind of how, like, like, it is in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of there. They're right there. They just sent it <laughs> up here. I don't know. But, yeah. Fun fact. Originally, this movie was titled Day Six. It wasn't called Mother. It was called Day Six. Oh. Yeah, which was a reference to... The biblical account of you know the creation story, and he creates the story in se- sorry he creates the world the universe in seven days. On the sixth day, God created animals and man. So mm. I feel like that fits pretty well, right? That but makes I wonder, sense. Yeah, I wonder if that would have made a difference in people seeing the movie differently when it first came out. Seeing day six is a direct reference to the Bible, at least. Mm-hmm. Those who are able to get it right there and then. Because Mother, no one can understand. At least I wouldn't know that when I first saw yeah. it, you know. Yeah, I'm a bad Catholic. When you, If you've asked me what happened on day three, I'm like, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to be said um, as we were kind of owing, growing over it and stuff. And so... Um, Let's see. There was other things that I wanted to write. And so, like, basically this little paragraph I would just say is that the character of the creator is frequently referred to as the poet, right? And that word, that word poet actually branches off from this old Greek word called poieris. And Poietis means maker or creator itself, right? And so, yeah, he is indeed the creator of that little world that him and Mother Nature are making, creating together. And so there's obvious signs that Jennifer Lawrence's mother is Mother Nature or Earth itself. But I also think that there's another element to her character. Mm -hmm. I think she represents the divine feminine in God as well. I think her and God, the creator, are working hand in hand in creating this paradise because a lot of the issues that she confronted him with was not so much like, you know, like she was arguing with him that how come he's making all these decisions without her? Because they're mm-hmm. these they're two characters who are both building this thing together. And she was always telling him, how come you didn't ask me to bring him in? Or how come you're not letting me know that you're bringing all these people in? She wants equal part in this house. So seeing that makes me realize maybe it's like a two-parter thing where God has a feminine side as well. Going back to one of the earlier Christian beliefs of Gnosticism, they believed that Sophia was also part of the Godhead. She was wisdom. She signified wisdom. She actually hmm. gave birth to the Demiurge, which is the God that we know of. That's the Yahweh, you know? Mm-hmm. And so 
they saw the divine feminine in God as well. So I wonder if she represented not just Mother Nature, but the divine feminine aspect that is inside God as well. So that no, it's really interesting you bring that up because I've I've heard um, uh, certain scholars claim that. Um, before they took out that rib from Adam to to uh, make uh, Eve, uh, there is this idea of Adam Conte, or mm-hmm. I think I think it's Adam Conte, where essentially people claim uh, Adam w- was unisex or just you know the perfect perfect mm. non-binary, you know the the perfect non-binary. mix of the two. Yeah, no, no, because God made uh, Adam in, in in their image, and, mm-hmm. and they just happen to be non-binary, but you know have it to separate them to you know to 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 make more than two people and i guess that makes sense considering how like i think there's a bunch of different aspects to god i don't think it's just like some dude in the sky right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there's no reason why different aspects of god don't conflict i I was already a lot of chaos already so you know shit probably yeah no honestly that's a really interesting point right Mm -hmm. there you know yeah like it's funny to see how people in the movie when people started flooding in and trying to be with God, the creator, you know, the, all the people that were in that house were all trying to get the creator's attention. You know what I mean? I mean, they mm. were there to party and cause havoc, but ultimately they were there because they were his fans. They're the Christian sect, you know, those were the followers of Christ, you know, especially when he came out with his new book, his child, everyone came <laughs> flying over him. Fuck. <laughs> And so, like, I tell like, you, when the New Testament first came out in Barnes and Nobles, I was fucking losing it. <laughs> You're gonna kill me. <laughs> and so, like, it's funny how we—it's known that God makes man in His own image. God, the Creator, in this movie, He needed that validation from His followers. Like, He obviously cared more about His fans than his wife then you know he mm. put them first before her and same as you know there's something about these monotheistic religions that have people needing to grab god like they need to be a part of god they need to consume god like literally like again the communion and stuff and like having to make a pilgrimage you know to mecca or something mm-hmm. like they have to reach for god they have to be a part of god just as much as god needs his fan base and stuff which i think is very different compared to like eastern thought where it's like we are god within ourselves so we can meditate on it we can recognize Mm -hmm. the pantheistic god within all of us you know so it's a totally different way of like understand or kind of seeing the religion aspects in this but i just think daronofsky made it really prevalent that you know god made man is in his image and man is deeply flawed, and that kind of mirrors what God's relationship is to his followers, mm-hmm. you know, rather than his biggest creation, which is the world. It's interesting you, you say that, because in a lot of, like, ancient religions, like uh, like the Roman religion, the Greek religion, or uh, m- many of them, gods just happen to be, like, aspects of nature, or yes. just, like, truths, where um, it, it's n- not only until very recently, like, especially with cre- the Romanization of Christianity, you got a lot of people who have personal relationships to God, and it, they only see God, or they only see the conscious part of God, where mm-hmm. um, if, if you, like, 
go really far back the clock, you see a lot of people who see like a bunch of gods, both as aspects of nature and things you can talk to and have, you know, relationships with. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's interesting. Just kind of like showing showing the faith being like oh look 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 at christianity now oh oh boy <laughs> yeah it's a totally different way to interact with the godheads mm -hmm. you know what i mean if not the godhead and such because it's true what you're saying that like in ancient greco-roman times like they had a different relationship with the gods you know like they didn't see the big man upstairs i mean there was zeus but there was like these gods like you said had aspects of nature within them also as well as human qualities as well you know mm -hmm. and so like that's what kind of made them a lot more relatable to humans whereas this monotheistic god is apart from his creations he is mm -hmm. you know he is someone that we can't there's we can have christ in our hearts but we can never really be truly with god until like we die or something like that mm -hmm. whereas in eastern religion it's like no you you can find god you just have to sit and you know sit with it and you'll find god meditate on it you the, know the poet in this though acts a lot like um i guess just like i mean although he's still iffy iffy god he's still like in the parameters of any other god where he's he can't learn from his mistakes he's just compelled to keep doing the same thing over and over again exactly. we don't know we don't know if this is the first time he's done this or if this is like the 500th millionth time he's already done this he's a god and he's compelled to do this thing so exactly although might act like a human might look like a human very much is not <laughs> yes and within this movie you saw on three different occasions that this house is being rebuilt the mm -hmm. very beginning and the middle part where we see with Jennifer Lawrence's character and at that very end when we see the other woman, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's something that you, you can pick up on that this is a continuous cycle, which mirrors what we do here, what's happening on Earth now, mm -hmm. you know? So Weird thing. With this movie, I wanted to bring up, it has nothing related to all the other stuff we're talking about. But since this movie came out in 2017, it reminds me a lot of just like content creators, huh. especially of California. No, because there's a lot of fucking family vlogs on YouTube where whenever they have a child, they start using the child immediately to get more views on the internet. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, it really reminded me of that. Oh my god. And just how. Just how weird and fucking toxic, uh, like, media culture is, or Hollywood culture, where, um, sometimes you have people who go into the homes of famous people and invade it, and that yes. ruins, ruins the lives of not only the famous people, but also the people in their life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my god, I came across this one video on YouTube where there's this couple that literally says as the, the headline of the, epi of the episode called... It's called, did we really have a baby just for the views? <laughs> and I was like, wow. I would hate, I would People hate. are like that. <laughs> I, I, I have, I, I need to follow like the earliest iteration of these and see where those kids are at. Oh my goodness. Because you look at, you look, oh, it ruins fucking families. Do you remember yeah. like, I don't know if we should talk about real life channel. Uh, sometimes with 
older families they you know sometimes they have the split because they're like oh this is unethical what we're doing and i've noticed in a lot of other cultures like uh, my mom watches some channel of this like lady who married a japanese person and you know she's like oh so i can hop on i kiss me vlog and um Uh they uh she always blurs out the face of her husband and a lot of family members because that's just no affiliation you know affiliation yeah Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. i you know honestly normalize that (laughs) which i can understand yeah Mm -hmm. you know and so yeah i mean like this is what the creator is doing in this movie where like he is completely showing off his work and like he's welcoming everybody into his home like into his home just like how the people online are like broadcasting their lives out into the world he's doing the same thing but mm-hmm. instead he's bringing all the people into his home he's my new home tour this <laughs> hey, hello. hello everybody uh, hello mtv welcome to my crib this is god here <laughs> yeah so i mean like there's a lot to this movie and i feel like it's anxiety inducing that's for sure Mm -hmm. but i feel like it was actually very profound and i was very happy to watch this a number like a few times after the first time to recognize all of the little symbols and easter eggs that were kind of given like as a wink to the biblical story you Mm -hmm. know and so i thought that was very fun and i feel like that made this episode like fun for me and having you get all upset for watching it (laughs) (laughs) no i'm happy i did see it but at the same time what the fuck (laughs) i know thank joe because in our previous episode she mentioned mother really quickly and i was like yes and i could not get it out of my mindset so i had to talk about it now thank you joe oh yeah thanks joe mm-hmm. holy shit movie's fucked yeah. <laughs> okay yeah then. so um oh god what else i just knowing just knowing again i feel like one thing we could talk more about is the just the the, the terrible like relationship dynamic that the couple has because there's Good there's a lot God. like that it's so up. unhealthy it is so unhealthy well i thought it, it wouldn't bother you you know if i invited these people over i don't know why you're making this a big deal just but so. you're not asking me <laughs> like we live here together and you're inviting people to our house you know and oh my goodness one quick little thing about yeah. the movie that i could not understand and i tried looking up online and no one had any answers did you notice that she kept on drinking this stuff that kind of calmed down her migraines, like this yellow dust oh, yeah. and stuff? I have no idea what that meant or what that represents. I am not sure. It Let looks me... like gold dust. Like it's because they because remember Eve earlier said, "Oh, do you have painkillers?" No, I don't have any painkillers. But keeps yeah. keeps going back to, to yeah, drink. Yeah, she drinks this yellow things that it lo- like you literally see it calming her body down because she mm-hmm. starts having migraines and she starts having these weird visuals but when she drinks she calms down once she realized that she's pregnant she stopped drinking it she flushed it down so what is that stuff i don't know i'm not sure i don't know maybe no one on the internet knows either mass famines maybe i don't know (laughs) oh my god (laughs) yeah so uh this was a fun movie to watch over and i hope that you know our followers are or you know our followers were able to watch this movie and picked up on some of the things that we're talking about and if they have any other stuff that they picked up on let us know holy shit you're right please tell tell me what the fuck what she's drinking what is what's that about what is that about (laughs) and if there's other references that i did not catch up on you know i did i went over my head please bring it to my attention i would love to know 
so yeah all right well uh i don't know i forget how we end these (laughs) well everybody if you're still listening thank you so much for tuning in with us having this talk about mother mother thank you guys thank you for having breakfast with us in the liminal zone Please review us and follow us on your favorite podcatcher and tell a friend about us. Follow us on Instagram at Breakfast in the Liminal Zone and Breakfast Zone 1 on Twitter. Be sure to shoot us a message on both of these platforms. And let's have breakfast next time in the Liminal Zone.